Hey, it's Rick Kettner here, and today we're going to go through the five books that I read in June 2022. As usual, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I chose to read these books and what you can expect to get out of them. That way, you can decide whether or not they are interesting to you. So let's dive straight into the list, beginning with book number one. The Man Who Broke Capitalism, How Jack Welch Gutted the Heartland and Crushed the Soul of Corporate America, and How to Undo His Legacy, by David Gellis. This book tells the story of how Jack Welch took over GE, or General Electric, at a time when the business was doing a good job of serving the various stakeholders in the business, including workers, managers, suppliers, the local community, and of course, shareholders of company stock. He then immediately shifted the strategy to what was then a somewhat novel approach where he focused exclusively on producing shareholder value with very little regard to anything else. And this strategy caused him to focus on things like eliminating jobs, outsourcing work, strong-arming suppliers, acquiring other businesses, capitalizing on tax loopholes, and using manipulative accounting, all to create the appearance of consistent quarterly success. Now, I think it's worth pointing out that it's not entirely clear, at least to me, just how much of Welch's approach was based on greed, which is kind of the central theme of the book, versus, for example, perhaps a belief or a recognition that times were changing. So, in other words, I think it's kind of worth asking the question, was Jack responsible for all of these changes in America, or was his approach kind of a response to the changes that were already happening or perhaps were already necessary when you factor in things like perhaps increased global competition or perhaps a recognition of growing inefficiencies in business? It's also worth pointing out that many people place blame on President Ronald Reagan for breaking the air traffic controller strike in 1981. He effectively eliminated 11,000 jobs of these air traffic controllers who are currently on a union strike. He broke the union. He banned those 11,000 workers from ever working in the industry again. And many people point to this event as setting a precedent because here you have a president of the United States effectively sending the message that workers are expendable. Nevertheless, it does seem safe to say that Jack Welch played a unique role in introducing new and much more aggressive tactics around putting profits before people. And as the book explains, he really influenced a whole new generation of CEOs that took a very similar approach. Many of them got their start at GE and then went on to run other businesses in which they followed a similar approach, where they would just gut companies through cost-cutting measures, really focus on just maximizing short-term revenue to show quarterly performance, and they would pocket tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in the process, and often leave these businesses as being a shadow of their former selves, having really just focused on short-term targets and not really made the investments that you would want to make for a business to have a long and promising future ahead of it. So anyway, if you're interested in learning more about the impact of Jack Welch and, as the book goes on to explain, some ideas of how to potentially reverse the trend, consider reading The Man Who Broke Capitalism by David Gellis. Next up, we have The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Hyde. This book addresses three great 
untruths that have taken hold among young people today, specifically those born in what is called the I generation. So born between 1995 and 2007. And these are a group of people that really in their teen years had access to things like modern smartphones and social media. And the three great untruths that are addressed in the book are number one, you must strive to avoid bad experiences at all costs. Number two, you must always trust your emotions over reason. And number three, the world is a black and white battle between good and bad people. Now, according to the authors, these beliefs are leading to all kinds of negative consequences, including increased anxiety, depression, victimhood, learned helplessness, and fragility. And they go on to explain how, as human beings, we have the potential to be anti-fragile. That is, we can become stronger and more resilient as we're exposed to challenges, risks, and various stressors. However, we do need the opportunity to be exposed to these things and, ideally, to do so from a very young age so that we can benefit from our anti-fragile nature. Unfortunately, parents of the I generation really focused on protecting their kids from failures and setbacks and challenges and the kinds of things that would allow them to become more anti-fragile. And when this generation went on to college or to university, these institutions ended up adopting practices to really compensate for the lack of resilience of this generation. And in doing so, they really made the problem that much worse. And so you have a whole generation of people that grew up and adopted these three great untruths and have learned to avoid character building experiences, embrace their negative emotions, and assume the worst in other people. Anyway, this is an absolutely fascinating read. I'm just barely scratching the surface here in terms of the many lessons and insights covered in this book. Now, the first time I read this book, I listened through it in audio format. I fully intend to go back through this book in digital format so I can take careful notes and make highlights. And I may end up turning this into a full summary of the book. But if, like me, you're interested in understanding the many challenges of the latest generation who are growing up with smartphones and social media and oftentimes with parents that are too focused on protecting them from various failures and challenges and what we can do as parents to reverse this trend, consider picking up a copy of The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Next up, we have how to avoid a climate disaster, the solutions we have and the breakthroughs we need by Bill Gates. Every time I see a headline about the impending threat of climate change, I feel this weird mix of urgency, overwhelm, and yet uncertainty around exactly what is happening and more specifically or more importantly, what it is that we are doing as a species to try to mitigate some of the potential issues or to at least avoid some of the worst case scenarios. Now, this is a book that I bought several months ago. It's been sitting on my bookshelf. And so recently, after seeing yet another headline, around climate change and the potential disaster that might result, I decided to finally dive into this book, if only because the title seems relatively optimistic. Now, this book does an excellent job of really detailing the foundational knowledge that one needs to have in order to understand the challenge that we are facing. So, 
getting a clear picture of the threat of climate change, why it's real, and just simply facing the reality of the situation. And then it really focuses on understanding the details around potential solutions, the kinds of things that are most important, the other kinds of things that sometimes get all the headlines but aren't necessarily as important, and really diving into the pros and cons of different solutions. Because in some cases, for example, there might be a solution that in the short term will reduce carbon output. And yet over the long term, it might in fact commit us to some kind of a path that will eventually lead to increased carbon output. So the book does a great job, like I said, of laying a foundation understanding the threat, and then really diving into the details as far as what kinds of solutions are most important, what kinds of solutions are most impactful, the things we should be focusing on most, and in some cases, the things that we probably don't need to focus on as much as the mainstream media and the news media might lead us to believe. So if, like me, you just want kind of a big picture understanding of the issue, and then you want a chance to dive into some of the details and understand the kinds of things that matter most and the kinds of breakthroughs that we need to see in the coming decades, then consider reading How to Avoid a Climate Disaster by Bill Gates. Next up, we have Triggers, Creating Behavior That Lasts, Becoming the Person You Want to Be by Marshall Goldsmith and Mark Ritter. This book is about the many challenges associated with behavioral change and how to overcome them. So as the subtitle suggests, you can become the person that you want to be. Now, I've long been fascinated with the whole idea around behavioral change, and I'm a big believer in the idea of building habits and routines to really automate the core activities of our life. If we want to stay in shape, then we need habits around exercise. If we want to learn and expand our knowledge, then we we need habits around reading and listening to podcasts and perhaps listening to audiobooks. And so I'm a big believer in understanding how to create behavioral change and trying to do so in my own life. And yet at the very same time, I think it's absolutely fascinating to recognize how easily we vastly overestimate our ability to actually change our longstanding behaviors and how it's incredibly difficult to actually take an existing routine or an existing behavior and to permanently change it, not just for a matter of months or even years, but for decades to come. It's incredibly difficult. So this book really acknowledges that reality, makes it clear why change is so difficult, and tackles practical tips and advice for how to affect change in our lives. And it covers some very useful insights. One of the core themes in this book is the importance of our environment. So things like who we hang out with what is available to us, and how our surroundings affect our behavior. Now, the advice is often geared around business and things like leadership and work environments, but many of the ideas can easily be translated to apply to personal change as well. One of my favorite insights from the book, and something I've never seen covered in any other book on behavioral change, is the idea of ranking our performance on a given habit or routine by asking a simple question that starts with, did I do my best to blank? So whatever it is that we're trying to do a good job of in our lives or any new habit or routine, we can have a very simple questionnaire where we ask something like, did I do my best 
to take advantage of my writing time? Or did I do my best to take advantage of my exercise routine? And the idea behind this question is to answer it with a simple zero through 10 rating and to put together a short little questionnaire around the routines and habits that are most important in your life. Because for me personally, I find myself often just going through the flow of a routine and not really capitalizing on it. I feel great for simply following through and continuing to execute on it, but it's very easy to fall into the trap of just going through an exercise routine or sitting down for writing time and not actually taking full advantage of the habit and trying to make the most of that time. So having a simple questionnaire like this around the things that are most important to you can allow you to get into the framework of the mindset of always asking, am I doing my best right now? Am I just going through the motions or am I really capitalizing on this opportunity? Now, I haven't yet put together my questionnaire, but what I have found already, even though I intend to do so in the near future, what I've already found is as I'm going through some of my routines, this question does pop up in my head. Am I doing my best? Right now, am I taking advantage of this opportunity? And so that was one of my favorite takeaways from the book, just this idea that it's one thing to establish a routine or a habit or something like that, perhaps a new behavior, but it's another thing entirely to really make the most of the opportunity and to make sure that we're in the right mindset to really benefit. Because ultimately, if we're able to make better use of, let's say, an exercise routine, or if we're able to focus more consistently when engaging in reading some interesting books or ideas, well, we're more likely to build positive momentum, we're likely to get more of a reward from that habit or from that behavior, and thus it's more positive reinforcing in the sense that we're getting more from it, so we're more likely to invest even further into it in the future. But anyway, if like me, you're interested in behavioral change and ways to change your habits or your routines to live a better and more meaningful life, consider picking up a copy of Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith and Mark Ritter. Next up, we have Numbers Don't Lie, 71 Stories to Help Us Understand the Modern World by Vaslav Smil. After reading Bill Gates's latest book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, and having noted that Vaslav's name came up throughout it, and having recently seen Bill Gates is quoted as saying, there is no author whose books I look forward to more than Vaslav Smil, I decided to pick up some of his work. Now, this is one of those books that just covers a lot of really interesting information. I didn't really have a clear purpose or intent behind reading this book, but it just covers a lot of interesting ideas ideas and information that, as the subtitle suggests, help us better understand the world that we live in. And so it covers a whole wide range of interesting themes, including things like life expectancy, what makes people happy, China's future, impactful inventions, climate change, and many, many other interesting ideas. Now, some of my favorite takeaways from the book include, number one, discovering some of the challenges that China has coming up, including the fact that they have an aging population and not enough young people entering the workforce and things like that over the coming decades. And a lot of this is actually due to their former one-child policy and some of the unintended negative consequences that resulted from that policy. Number two, why certain kinds of innovation take far more time than expected, specifically the kinds of innovations that aren't necessarily tied to the rapid advancement of technology. And in some cases, there are innovations that you would think are tied to the rapid pace of 
increased performance of computers and things like that, things like Moore's Law. And yet, even though that may in fact be true, it's things like human nature and human behavior and our tendency to kind of adopt things more slowly that often hold back certain inventions or innovations. And number three, some of the real challenges around the transition from coal or gas-powered equipment to electric powered alternatives. And some of the major issues here really revolve around battery capacity and the weight of batteries. So in certain situations, such as semi-trucks or cargo ships, or even things like airplanes, electric power may in fact be a really practical solution, except for the fact that battery capacity either isn't high enough or the weight of those batteries really kind of offset the gains of trying to transition over to electricity. Now, I will say there was a considerable amount of overlap between this book and Bill Gates's book on how to avoid a climate disaster, and that's pretty understandable because, again, Bill Gates reads Voslav's work and was heavily inspired by it. And so, with that said, for me personally, one thing I do wish is that I didn't read these books almost entirely back-to-back. It would have been probably better to space them out so that I can enjoy one book and then kind of revisit some of the ideas and explore similar ideas maybe a few weeks or more likely a few months later. And so if you're interested in both books, I would recommend probably spacing them out over several months. And I find that's a really practical way to not only revisit certain information and to kind of reinforce it in the mind, but also to get a different perspective. Because even though it might have you know, similar ideas being discussed in two different books, oftentimes getting a different person's perspective can allow the idea to kind of settle in in a different way. So I wish I had done that. I didn't do that. Still enjoyed the book. It does cover a lot that isn't covered in Bill Gates's book, of course. So if, like me, you're interested in interesting information that help us better understand the modern world and you just like exploring interesting facts and information, consider reading Numbers Don't Lie by Vaslav Smil. Anyway, those are the five books that I read in June 2022. Click the like and subscribe buttons if you would like more updates like this again in the future.